0: The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkee Town Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkee Town, please visit our website at www.durkeeTown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N.org. And it is also the hope of how we will be uh, living out the Uh, statements by christ commonly known as the blessings or the beatitudes how can those things happen only through the good news of a crucified christ that we herald as proclaimers of that good news first corinthians 1 18 to the end of the chapter 4 the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written... He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The word of the Lord, and it is for our good. The preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be indeed acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. It might sound strange for me to say that I had an epiphany this week about preaching, thus the title of the sermon, A Surprise Epiphany. I had expected the sermon to go in a different direction, but now as I was reflecting and thinking, praying and reading, something, uh, something dawned on me, and I pray that it was the Holy Spirit that dawned on me. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. You might think it odd, because after all I have been preaching, that is, I have been heralding the good news for now 33 years here at Durkee Town. I've been in public ministry for 40 years, and of course, before that I was nurtured in the church where the good news of Christ crucified, the hope of glory was proclaimed, so you might ask, after all that exposure and all the personal involvement in the work of preaching, what sort of an epiphany could I have had? Shouldn't I by now know it all? Well, the surprise I got from the text came when I landed on the second part of verse number 21. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I don't think I ever put together in my mind that God is particularly pleased by the foolishness of preaching. Of all the ways we want to please God, and I do believe that here at Durkee Town and certainly down at St. James, we have congregations that desire to please God. But in all of the ways that we want to please God, I don't know that we put it together in our minds that God is pleased when we herald the good news because it is through the heralding that God saves those who believe. There are three phrases in verse number 21 we need to consider to help us grasp this on an experiential level. First of all, what does it mean that God is pleased? We take the word pleased to mean some kind of a a good a moral good like that was a pleasing meal or a pleasing conversation or a pleasing you know thing that we see or participate in but the word pleased here actually translated in the greek language from which it derives its meaning has more to do with freedom or willingness and so when you read that don't think well god god is happy when we preach or proclaim the good news no The meaning of the word is that of all of the ways that God could have chosen for the proclamation of the crucified one, Jesus Christ, to go out into the world, he freely chose out of the willingness of his own providential desire that you and I speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Now that sounds strange to us. Because we tend to choose things that we think will be highly effective. Or people that we think will be highly effective. No offense, I can barely mow my lawn these days. There are some of you that I'm not going to ask. Because I don't even have a lawn. Or shovel my snow, you know what I mean? God doesn't look at us and go like, well, I'm going to do my best with them. God in wisdom providentially made a choice that sounding down through the decades and centuries after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the heralding of that news would come through his people, filled with his spirit, going out into the world. It pleased God. And that grabbed my attention. That in wisdom, he freely chose to call you and I to participate with him through our verbalization of the gospel to save those that believe. He does that through the foolishness of preaching. The emphasis of that phrase is on the subject of what is being proclaimed and not on the manner in which it is being proclaimed. So it was well-pleasing to God, it was a wise thing for God to fill his people with his spirit so that the way they spoke the good news, what they would speak would be focused entirely on Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen Lord and Savior. The word preaching in this section of 1 Corinthians has to do with the heralding of of news Paul does not have in mind a pastor preaching a sermon on a Sunday morning because right away some of you might think you're exempt from what I'm about to say after all you don't preach many sermons from the pulpit right so I say well that doesn't include me I'm not a preacher no that's not what the word means the word means heralding the idea is not what I'm doing. Instead, it's more like we read about in 2 Kings 5, when a young Jewish girl who's unnamed has been taken from her home in northern Israel into Syria, into Damascus, by the radiant Syrian armies, and she is now a slave in the house of Naaman, the commanding general of the Syrian armies and. She is serving his wife as a servant girl. And Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, was a leper. And he needed healing. And so when I uh, use the word preaching in the way Paul means it here, I want you to think, I want you to keep in mind this young, heroic, unnamed servant girl who boldly heralds, says to Naaman's wife, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in samaria he would cure him of his leprosy would that my lord were with the prophet who is in samaria he would cure him of his leprosy that is what we mean when we talk about heralding the good news the heralding of the good news is not Uh, a man in the pulpit preaching a formal sermon. The heralding of the good news is each and every person connecting their heart with God's wise choice of how the news of a crucified Christ would go out and to see themselves then like this servant girl boldly proclaiming the message that People can be saved through a crucified Christ. As foolish as it might have sounded for the servant girl to invoke the name of the prophet Elisha, the prophet that that, uh, God was using in Israel at that time, as foolish as that might have sounded, so for the church, the preaching of the cross is to those who were perishing foolishness foolishness but unto us who are being saved it is the power of god and that's the third phrase in verse 21 i want to talk about very briefly and that is to be saved means both that god will save from eternal judgment those who by faith cling to the crucified christ So sinners receiving salvation in Christ comes through the heralding of that message that seems so foolish in the world that we live that a crucified man 2,000 years ago has anything to do with your heart and your relationship with God, your sin debt sounds foolish. But as that message is heralded and that message is believed, it becomes the very power of God to save. And that salvation then brings life, the kind of life that is described in verse number uh, 30 when Paul says, but of him are ye in Christ. You see, to avoid any boasting on our part, to avoid any glorying of ourselves. We are brought into Christ by the grace of God, and then we are made in Christ, who is unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You can put in little brackets next to that the good life. That's the good life. The good life is to know that by the grace of God and through faith, In the sacrifice of Jesus for your sin, you are saved from God's judgment and you receive all of who Christ is, so Christ becomes to you the good life, a life of wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So why should we affirm a word-centered ministry that has a strong commitment to heralding the good news why why should we affirm that well the text provides us with matching bookends the first one in verse number 19 it's repeated again verse 31 it is written these brackets or bookends then serve us to see what the emphasis of the text is they provide structure to the text verse number 19 for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Uh, Verse number uh, 31. What does he say? got to turn my page. Give me just a second. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. What are we glorying in the Lord over? That it wasn't dependent on our wisdom to devise a scheme by which we might crawl into heaven. It wasn't up to us to devise a way, the most effective way, that we could get the message out to the world and what that message should sound like. No, all of the glory of this belongs to God. It is written, it is written, Then drives us to the center of what the main focus of this text is, and that is the word of the cross sounds foolish to the world, but to those who are being saved, is that you? Are you being saved? It is the power of God for your very salvation. That's why we should affirm a word-centered ministry that makes us a, a commitment to heralding the good news. And, and when you think about this this, um, this this, bookend of it is written, you immediately need to start to think that both the, the oral tradition... And the written tradition were woven into the very DNA of the Jewish scriptures. God gave the law in written form, but then he told the people to make sure they speak it. That they teach it. That they instruct with it. So there there is the written word of God that then becomes animated by the voice of the people who speak the word of God. When, when you read through the Psalms once a month, which everybody, I hope, is doing. If not, you should do. It takes about five Psalms a day if you need a structured program. You know. I'll get you one. But when you get to Psalm 119 and you start reading, you go like, oh, something must be wrong with my Bible. Every verse sounds the same. Maybe they made a mistake. No, because every verse is the same in Psalm 119. It is a celebration of what? It is a celebration of the law of God. Which, by the way, was verbalized as the people sang it. As they sang it. The very foundation of the priestly and prophetic ministry of Israel is based on the written word and the speaking word. Thus saith the Lord. And then the prophet would say what the Lord was saying is written is the response jesus gives to satan's lies in the wilderness temptation jesus just didn't think it in his mind he spoke the scripture to satan when philip meets the ethiopian who was reading what was written in this case isaiah 53 philip the evangelist goes up to the ethiopian and he says to him do you understand what you're reading And the Ethiopian responds, well, how am I going to understand it unless somebody guides me? And then Philip jumps in the chariot, and he starts speaking the word of God, and he takes him from Isaiah 53 all the way to Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian says, hey, there's some water. What prevents me from getting baptized? And Philip says, nothing. Dumps him all the way under the water. (laughs) Brings him back up. And he's on his way. Oh, there we go. We're going to still do immersion. Yes. Some of you just got what we're talking about there. What an epiphany. What a manifestation it is to see that what pleases God is for the authoritative written word to be animated through the spirit-filled speaking of that word by God's people. Some of You know, I grew up in a really large church outside of chicago and back in the 70s children's ministry was just growing leaps and bounds and and, uh, and the church had an evangelist frank buckley who was a ventriloquist, and his his uh his dummy's name was daniel and, and as a kid you know i'm like wow this is so cool you know but you know what that that dummy <laughs> needed a voice And he needed a hand up his back to make his mouth move. To go through the comedy routine and and then to get to the gospel out. You see, we need to be animated. We need the spirit within us. Working in our hearts, working in our minds, taking God's word. Pouring it within us so that we speak that word out. Think carefully. Think very carefully with me for a moment. Think about who spoke God's word to you. Think about the long standing tradition we take part in when we speak what is written. Think about all of the women, the men, the children who faithfully have heralded the good news, have proclaimed have what is written, including, including, by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as you think about all of those people, then let's ask ourselves, should we go on heralding the news or not? I Maybe mean, nobody's listening. Maybe we should push the pause button. Nobody seems to care. Maybe God's passed us by. In a day when the witness of the church is compromised by heresy and hypocrisy, let us, with God's help, stand shoulder to shoulder with that long line of foolish-sounding, but nevertheless faithful heralds who point sinners to the foolishness of the cross of Christ. You know, in in the King James translation, which I'm using for these few months, the word foolish shows up six times in this section. And when a word is repeated that many times... Um, it shows us the emphasis of the text and the emphasis of the text falls squarely on the accomplishment of jesus at the cross both as an historical fact as well as a present day reality so we shouldn't be surprised that people around us uh you right believing in the cross is the power of salvation right we believe that but at the same time we who believe it, it sounds utterly foolish to people that are all around us. But you know, just remember that even as Jesus is being mocked, as the monstrous act of crucifixion is taking place, he appears to be an utter fool. I mean, to Pilate, he, he was proclaimed to be a king, and Pilate must be thinking, well, if you're king, why don't you fight? Right? Why don't you take up arms? What a fool. Uh, To the Jews looking at Jesus, they're thinking, he's a blasphemer. He's under God's curse. What a fool to think that he could get away with claiming to be God. And he's mocked. So when, when we feel the pressure of an increasingly dark and desperate society, that rejects the foolishness of the cross. Don't step back from that. That that is exactly what was happening at Golgotha. And it has only gained steam moving forward, which is why Paul's writing about it to the church at Corinth. But you see what the Jews and the Gentiles could not see is that it was through the power of the cross of Christ that salvation would come. It's through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that salvation would come. And despite the resistance, the early church developed what uh, Jeff Reed uh, described and he uses the Greek word here, "charismatic communities. And that word "charismatic" is the Greek word translated as preaching. They developed preaching communities. They developed communities whose very DNA was heralding the good news in every way possible. And this worked directly against, and I like the point that Jeff Reed makes, evangelism was never intended to be a program of the church, that you kind of join, or maybe not. But I bet you i'm sure that many of us we're not supposed to bat, right i'm sure that many of us right growing up especially in a personal evangelism era kind of saw evangelism as a program well that's what they do the evangelists do you know i do other stuff over here but Jeff Reed says no that's not the way the church was structured the church was structured to be at its very core as its essence a community of heralds who would speak, animate the written word of God through their lives. Now listen, if you're looking for a point of action to take, look no further than this. What would it look like for us to be a community that is charismatic? Not charismatic, although we need the spirit for sure, but charismatic. That is, what would it take for us to become a community whose very essence is the heralding of the good news of Christ. Imagine a community where the Spirit's power is poured out through the foolishness of preaching, and as that happens, there is a continual breakthrough from heaven into earth, into our presence through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Imagine a community where disbelief or unbelief or doubt is constantly being dislodged through the word of god proclaimed as women and men and boys and girls baptized brought into the faith continue to proclaim the good news of jesus christ imagine that kind of a community where it is our very dna our very essence If we're going to carry forth the apostolic tradition of developing a heralding community There's there's really maybe one thing we need, and that is, again, what is at the center of this text. And that is, we need to come before the gospel continuously. We need to keep affirming that which was so pleasing to God, that through heralding the good news, we would be saved and we would be kept and we would grow in our salvation. You see, again, I think many believe that the gospel was for back here when you became a Christian, and then there's other stuff kind of moving forward in your life. That is not at all the way the Christian life is to be understood. The Christian life is to be understood as a continuous encounter with Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ coming again. Through the Spirit's work within us, we go day by day by day To the cross. Our hope is where? In the Lord. That's what we sang. Right? Our hope is in the Lord who gave his life for me. Right? We sang it out at St. James this morning. A rock of ages. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I too the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. That, That wasn't for me back when I was 13 years old and became a Christian. That was for me this morning. That is for you right now as you listen to this message. What is going to develop us and push us into becoming the kind of community that embraces what is so very pleasing to God, a heralding community that proclaims the foolishness of the cross, it is as we day by day meet Jesus at that cross. One of the most effective effective tools I've come across, praise God, uh, it was introduced at a men's retreat so many years ago now, the Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. There's a, a copy out at that table you can look at. It's just read it, and it's a constant taking you to the gospel, which, which we need if we're going to be the kind of community that truly does what pleases God. So let me, let me close with this appeal. I believe, and this may not be your particular belief, I hope it will become, but I do believe that the souls, the souls of the people of this hamlet and the souls of the people in the village of Fort Edward are the responsibility of our congregations. And they need us to become a heralding community. That's a conviction of mine, I believe that. But I want you to know that is not my main concern. If it were, I think it gets the cart before the horse, as it were. I hope that would become a fruit of our main concern. You see, the epiphany that I had about this text is my main concern. Will we become a community that is known for the foolishness of preaching because it is pleasing to God? Will your motivation coming out of this sermon be, Oh God, let me do what is pleasing to you? You've told me what is pleasing. You've told us what, what pleases you. Now God, help us to do it. And help us to be the, become that kind of community. That's the surprise epiphany I had this past week. God is pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. And may God break through our collective understanding and our collective will. And may he give us the courage of conviction to be a community of heralds proclaiming the foolishness of Christ crucified until he returns. Father, I give you thanks for that window of light that poured into my mind and heart. And as it became a sermon I pray that through it your spirit might work. First, for anyone in this room who is truly not a disciple of Jesus Christ. They keep bringing their thousands of rams to be sacrificed. They'd offer the firstborn if they thought it would help to get them to heaven. They come with the labors of their hands to try to meet the righteous demands of the law oh god i pray that your spirit would show them that it's nothing but the blood of christ that can save that they might lord come find me find someone to talk to to know what it means to truly be a christian then father i pray for us as a church that your spirit would work this, this sermon out in us. That what it might look like for us to be heralds of the good news. Who do we know that is not a Christian on church that we can invite chili and chowder and singing or to the Super Bowl party or to the ladies' night out or the camping trip coming out? Who do we know that needs a touch point? that we could share something of Jesus with them. and Give us grace to do it, I pray. Let's be quiet before the Lord and you can think about these things as Mike comes to uh, lead us in the table. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkytown, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org.